0: The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2021 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. I'm going to talk about the title. If you like titles, there's something in the water. If if I had like the – who's the group that puts like the ratings on movies – This morning is going to be a little bit like PG. Like, I have a few clips that have some bad language, and uh, if that's a problem for you, I don't think it should be, but I just feel like, as the network director, I should let you, like, spoiler alert, there's a few things. And the first one is coming up. Um, So here's my cartoon. Uh, If you can't see it because you're way back in the back, I'll walk you through it. This is what I mean by there's something in the water. So you've got these two fish, and you've got this old fish, and he says, Morning, kids. How's the water? And they kind of swim on. And then the guy goes, what the hell is water? Uh, So the point here is that the most obvious, important realities in our lives are often ones that are the hardest to see and talk about. That in the day-to-day trenches of existence, unapparent things can have life or death importance. Like the fish, they didn't know they were swimming in water. They live in water. Like water is where they get their life, but they didn't even know it. And what I want to hold out is that we are in water. Like there is a culture around us. There's something that we're taking in that I wonder, how many of you are even aware of this? How many of you know what it is? And so I want to talk about what that water is. But to do so, um, what is our water? I need some help. So this is my first one. I don't know if, if you got here early. You heard, let it go, let it go. Uh, you know how sometimes people... They play sports and they get like their pump-up songs when they're warming up. Like my pump-up music this morning was Elsa, Let It Go. Because look at what she's saying. She says, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Like this is our Scandinavian philosopher speaking to us, telling us about what's in the water. Um, our, Our East African philosopher, look inside yourself. You are more than what you have become like these messages are coming from all around us so we're going to keep going i got this just two days ago in my inbox you know there's this hymn that we sing at christmas called joy to the world but apple is reinventing that it's just hey joy to you (laughs) like you deserve this treat yourself go get what you want like uh explore the latest gifts from apple and get the one that you really wanted joy to you uh another one this is Shakespeare the English majors out there you're like these Disney ones like why do you always do Disney stuff well uh, in Hamlet Shakespeare writes this above all to thine own self be true and I don't know if you know this but the person who says that in Shakespeare is actually kind of the fool so this is the advice from the fool in Shakespeare above all else to thine own self be true you know we heard this a little bit earlier as you're coming in. There's a million reasons why I should let you go. What? But the heart wants what it uh. uh, 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 uh. The heart wants what it wants. Uh, uh, uh. That's my pump-up music this morning. I'm like, yeah, like get ready, Selena, Elsa. They're getting me jazz to come here and talk. Um, but th- there you have it. I mean, again, I'm just giving you this. So she didn't come up with that herself, though. That quote came from somewhere. It came from Woody Allen. Woody Allen said, the heart wants what it wants. There's no logic to these things. You meet someone and you fall in love, and that is that. And I don't know if you know this, but Woody Allen was saying this about the marriage. So he was married, and his, the woman he got married to adopted a young woman from Korea, and then Woody Allen got married to her. He was 35 years, yeah, 35 years older, and... He quoted this. He said, the heart wants what it wants as he is talking about this new marriage that he's having with his kind of adopted daughter. So, And I'm just saying that because you didn't want to know that. I didn't want to know that. But we say this phrase like, yeah, the heart just wants what it wants or you do you or whatever. And we don't realize what that's referring to at times. So here's another one. Uh, This is Justice Anthony Kennedy in a Supreme Court ruling, this is what he said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. So what all these things are getting at is you do what you want to do. You define yourself. You discover yourself. You become yourself. You invent yourself. This is what it means to be a human is to define your existence, to do whatever your heart wants. Follow your heart. Uh, You know, again, I could go on and on. You do you. Don't tread on me. I ain't wearing no mask. Uh, Come on, click. Follow your heart. Build your brand. And last year, the Gallup poll stated that 91% of Americans agree that the best way to find yourself is to look inside yourself. And so, what is our water like? What is there? I mean, the the songs. It's a blessing and a curse. I have this phonographic memory, so I hear songs and I learn their lyrics, and I know I have more like uh, Disney lyrics in my head, uh, Justin Bieber, In uh, Sync, Christina Aguilera than, than I should. But just the number of cultural references to this idea, to this concept. I mean, we could just spend the whole morning. We could just all go around and share. You share one now. Like, where have you heard this? Because this is the water that we're in. And what I want to say is the water that we're in is autonomy. You guys know, this is kind of a fancy word. You know what this word means? So it, it's, if you break it up into like the original, if this was like script spelling bee, you know, whenever they did a spelling thing, it's like <clears throat> language of origin. And then they tell you, I think, it's, I think it's Greek because auto means self. And then nomos means law. So you put that together and autonomy is the rule of, like, self-law. You are a rule unto yourself. You determine what's right, what's wrong, what you want to do, what you want to be, where you want to go, who you are. That's just everything about our culture right now. It's just the water. And I'm just trying to help you. If, if you don't walk away with anything else today in this time, I want you to walk away knowing this is the air you breathe. This is the world you live in, and it is everywhere. Another word for that is freedom. And I I wrestled with, with, you know, there's something in the water. And the other thing that I wanted to call this talk is the tyranny of freedom. And we're going to talk about that. Because you might think, yeah, right, like, of course. No right, no wrong. No rules for me. The heart wants what it wants. Like, at, at the heart of human liberty is to define my existence. That is all good and right and true. And you might think that. And what I want to hold out to you this morning is maybe that's not. Maybe that's not as good as you think. So, again, the definition, I just, you know, just Google it. And this is the definition that comes up. Freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraints. And that is just the concept of freedom that I believe all of us live with. I'm not just trying to talk about like Christians don't live like this, but the world out there, they do, because where you go to church... What Bible study you're a part of? Where you get to sit in here? What seminar you wanted to go to yesterday? Like, all the time, you're able to make all these choices. And the way that we think about freedom is that we should be able to do whatever we want without any kind of hindrance or any kind of restraint. And when we get to that place, that is real freedom. And that's what we're living for, and that's what we're trying to cultivate. So here's my next question. If that's our water, why is that our water? Like, of all the things that have influenced us or that could influence us. Why is this concept? Why are so many songs, so many advertisements, so many movies, everything? Like my daughters and, and I and, and my wife, in the pandemic, when we couldn't do stuff, we started doing Friday night, pizza in a movie. And we started working our way. We worked our way through the Star Wars movies. We worked our way through all the Marvel movies. We're kind of working our way through Hawkeye right now. We've also worked our way through Alone. And that, that show is next level, where they drop 10 people in the woods with 10 items Last one living, last one who survives gets five. (laughs) It's not the Hunger Games. Um, Like, we worked our way through that. And whenever we watch movies, we all, like, one of the conversations that we have is, what was that movie trying to say? Like, what were the messages? What's it trying to communicate? And they, my girls just know, like, sacrifice, it comes out in a lot of movies, in a lot of shows. And the other theme is follow your heart. Look inside yourself. Like, that is the, the way to happiness and existence. It's just in the water. But why is that our water? And what I want to hold out is it's not a super new concept. Like, even though it's everywhere right now, it's not because it just came about. I I just want to say it's been around for a long time. How long? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go all the way back to the the first book of the Bible. So you know what's happening in Genesis 3. Like, Genesis 1 and 2, God creates the world, you know, makes Adam and Eve, puts them in the garden, and in Genesis 3, Satan, in the form of a serpent, comes and talks to them. And this is what happens. He says to Eve, did God actually say, you know, there's this tree that God put in the middle of the garden, and he said, you can eat of everything you see. You have free reign, freedom, autonomy, except do not eat from this tree. And so Satan comes to them, and he says, Did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat the fruit of this tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So do you see it? I started to put this picture up there, but I don't know how many people know this in the movie movie Inception. You know, like it's a movie about like planting ideas in people's head, and so you know they they spin that top, and the top is like the sign that there's this idea. This is where it is. This is for all of us. It got spun. The idea got planted, because this is what Satan is really saying. He's saying, "You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened." And is this not what we were just talking about? Is this not our water? And you will be like God. So what he's saying is God isn't as wise. He's not as good as he claims to be. He is holding out on you. And if you exert autonomy from God, if you do what you want, do your own thing, make the rules, determine what's right and wrong, good and bad, figure out who you are, you will be better off. This is what you should do. This is the first lie that was ever told in in the, the history of humanity, and it is the same lie that gets told over and over and over and over and over again. You do you. Figure it out. Look inside yourself. The heart wants what it wants. And what Satan is doing here is he's holding out three questions. So I think there's three huge questions. And if understanding the water that we're in is the main thing I want you to kind of fight to remember, here's like the next thing is write these three questions down. They're not not super complex. And think about it. Answer these questions in your own life as you're driving back tomorrow ask people these questions question number one who is God because you see how Satan's asking that he's kind of bringing that question up like did God really say that like is that who he really is he wants to get them to question who is God who is God to you like Pastor D's talked about that you know it's it's kind of neat that Pastor D had his cool name at his church Pastor D at my church I'm just known as Samantha Potit's husband um that's that's my nickname um The next question he holds up is, who are you? Who are you? Like, you're not who you could be because he says, if you eat from this tree, you could be like God. Like, God's holding out on you and this is your chance. And then he holds up another one. How do you live? Like, if you just define right and wrong, if you determine it, if you're in control, your life is going to be better. And I would say that, that... We are asking these questions and answering these questions and being influenced about these things all the time because the way that Satan does it is he says, "Who is God? God is not trustworthy and he is not out for your best. You can't trust him." And and distrust is all over our culture right now. Like, think about it. Do you trust the news? Well, it depends. You watching CNN? You watching Fox News? Like, how do you trust the news? Do you trust the government? I mean. Is the government out for your best? Like, do you trust politicians? I mean, I think everyone has questions there. Like, do you trust the church? Do you trust science? Like, it was so funny, like, you know, in the, in the ad campaigns for the election, driving around and in all these yards in Minneapolis, it's like, I believe in science. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I do too. Like, who, who doesn't believe in science? But we question everything. But you know who you don't question? Yourself. Because you know what's right. And if it's right and you define it, then you can trust that. And that's what his second question is. Who are you? You can be God. You can determine what's good and bad and right and wrong. You can set this out for you. Um, We are fascinated with figuring that out, right? Like we want to discover ourselves. Like how many people in here have done strength finders? What about Myers-Briggs? Enneagram? i mean how many how many number how many ones enneagram ones i'm an enneagram one that's my people that's my that's my tribe right there like the six of you i walked in here today these chairs are all out of order and i'm like we have got to get these chairs straight <laughs> like i cannot be up here get that aisle. we need to get an aisle uh, how many of you know what hogwarts house you're in yeah it's amazing you know you don't know myers-briggs you don't know strings finder you don't know enneagram but you know you are ravenclaw um, or, you know, like there's that test, you can do it on, on Facebook, or whatever. It's like, actually, I am none of those. I am Yoda. Or, you know, like, which Star Wars character are you? Like, we want to figure out, we want to untap. We want to, we want to tap our true potential, unlock ourselves, figure ourselves out, and say, that's who I am. Because I have this ability to define myself as God. And then, so how do you live? You do whatever you want, you follow your heart, you create your truth. Like, this is what we want to do. Satan tells us this. Like, if you, if you trust God, you're not going to get the best. Trust yourself. Figure it out. And so love is then about allowing you to do whatever you want. And if you tell someone they shouldn't do that, or if you try to tell them something that they're doing is bad for them, or they should think otherwise, then that is unloving. That is hurtful. Because the water that we are swimming in, that we are breathing in all the time, is this lie that has been perpetuated for all eternity. Um, And then, I mean, this this is a little, you know, extra. When Jesus is in the wilderness and is tempted with Satan, what questions does Satan come at Jesus with? He basically says, who is God? Like, turn these stones into bread. Like, God's not taking care of you. You can take care of yourself. He says, who are you? Like, throw yourself down off the mountain. Because the angels will pick you up. Because you, you are the son of God. Like, you should be in charge. And then he says, and then how do you live? Like, all these kingdoms can be yours. Like, again and again and again it's perpetuated in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, on ads, Apple, Disney, everywhere. This is the reason that it's the water that we're drinking and that we're swimming in and that we're breathing in. Is because it's been there from the beginning. And it's just constantly coming. So, one last biblical reference. The book of Judges is like... This uh, story of the people of Israel, they're doing really well, and over the course of that book, they get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and look more and more and more and more like all of these nations around them. And at the end of the book, the last verse of the book, uh, the last book of, or the last verse of the book about how bad things have gotten for the people of Israel is, in those days there was no king in Israel, and what? Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The heart wants what it wants. Uh, 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 uh. Like that's just—it keeps coming back because this is what Satan wants to tell you: that if you have freedom, if you have autonomy, if you're open-minded, if you're non-committal, if you keep your options open—and—and and the scary thing is—is is that we do this with with our faith. Like we pick and choose what we believe. We don't—we don't like something about what the Bible says, and so. We subtract that out. Like I think the world right now, there's so many Christians. I mean, Pastor Pastor D talked about it. He said people want uh, they want justice and they want equality. They want these concepts that come from the Christian worldview, but they don't want they don't want Christianity. They want the kingdom, but they don't want the king. They don't want God on the throne because we need to be on the throne, and it's coming again and again and again and. My fear is that because you're in college and you're at this conference and you're a part of campus outreach or you're thinking if you want to be that you'll do this while you're in college, but then you'll graduate and then you'll kind of subtract these things and you'll walk away from them because you're just doing what you want to do and things don't resonate with you and you want to pick and choose what you believe. So I think that's, I think that's why our water is that way. So here's my, we're moving in a different direction. Don't drink the water. I mean, No one really says, don't eat the water. People say, like, don't drink the Kool-Aid, but that kind of messed it up. I tried to find one of those graphics of the Kool-Aid man, you know, like that big picture with a big smile, and there just weren't many good ones online. So don't drink the water. Uh, And here's why why I say that, because your heart is conflicted. Like, you don't really know what you want all the time. I mean, here's some of the things that I thought about. Like, you want to be fit and trim and healthy, but you also would like to go to Chick-fil-A again for the third time in three days. Because when I go to that food court, I'm like, yeah, 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 but Chick-fil-A. <laughs> like, If you know me, you know I like Chick-fil-A. Um, I want to be kind and loving to my daughters. But I also want to get home tomorrow and watch all these good college football games and not really talk to people. Like Those things are I mean, it, here's where it gets real. I get up in the morning, and do I work out? or do I read my Bible, or do I go back to sleep because I'd like that. I want to give a good seminar this morning because I want you to like me, but at the same time, I want to not care about what people think. I want to be generous with my money, but also I want to save up for my retirement. I want to finish. I've been taking seminary classes like one a year for the last 15 years, and I want to finish that. At the same time, I don't ever want to take another seminary class as long as I live. Um, uh, I, want to, I know I need to drink water, but man, sweet tea is so good. I want to go to bed earlier, but I want to watch another season of Alone. Uh, I want to turn my phone off for dinner, but I'm going to keep it near me just in case. Like, I mean, all the time, again and again, it's con- we're conflicted. And Jeremiah says this. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then Dr. King says this, too. He says, the human heart is like a ship on a stormy sea, driven about by winds blowing from all four corners of heaven. And my point is is that you don't know what you want. Your heart, when it says the heart wants what it wants, well, right now, maybe you want this. But then tomorrow, you might want that. And you know you should have this, but you also want that. So how do you know what to trust in your heart when it's conflicted? Uh, so your heart's conflicted. Your heart's also deceived. Um, again, I told you, I know song lyrics. So Sheryl Crow, she says, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. And then she, this, the next verse, if it makes you happy, then why the hell are you so sad? Um, so you get deceived, right? Because you think if you have this, it's going to make you happy. If you get this, it will fulfill you. Maybe it's, it's grades. Maybe, I mean, Pastor, do you talk about this? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe it's approval. I don't know what it is in your life. You need to search your heart and ask that question. What do you think it is that you want? Do you know what you want? Do you think it will make you happy? Because uh, what Jeremiah says is that my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So two things happen there. They leave God, and that's not good. But then they go look to be satisfied with whatever there is out there. Uh, Billie Eilish, she says this. She she says, I had a dream that I got everything that I ever wanted. Not what you think. And if I'm being honest, it might've been a nightmare. Like, if you really, what happens that's such a hard crushing thing in our lives is when we get those grades or we get that job or we get that internship or we get that relationship or we get that friendship or we get that like or we get that opportunity and once we have it, it's just not what we thought it would be. It's not as satisfying. It's not as real. And so following your heart, doing what you want to do, I just think your heart's conflicted. You don't know what you want, and your heart's deceived that these other things are going to satisfy. Like Pastor D just talked about this to all of us, but we still believe it. And then your heart can't handle it. There's an author I like, John Mark Comer. This is what he says, if self is the new God... This puts a crushing weight on the self, one that it was never designed to bear. It must discover itself, become itself, stay true to itself, justify itself, make itself happy, perform and defend for itself. So if you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and what's going to make you happy and you do you and don't tread on me and any of those and all of those phrases and ideas, it's going to be really tyrannical. It is the tyranny of freedom. That kind of autonomy, that no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. I think that is a terrible idea. And I think that because that's what Satan tells you you should do. And I just want to hold out a a possibility that if Satan thinks you should do it, I don't think you should do it. I think that is a bad idea. So be true to yourself might be the worst advice that anyone could ever give you. And I say might because I think there are some times when when there's some qualifiers that could be made there. But in general, this is what Satan is always going to say to you. He is always gonna tell you to be true to yourself and follow your heart and you're gonna be enslaved to something because your heart doesn't know what it wants. Your heart's looking for all these things. You think these things will satisfy. You think they will give you life, but I don't believe they will. I don't believe they were ever created to. And this pursuit is endless. It is relentless. It is crushing. And I just can't help but but think that all of you are some, at some level are feeling the weight of this. You know, the, the statistics about anxiety among your demographic, they just keep getting higher and higher and higher and higher. And some I, I just have to think, some of that anxiety is because the world is telling you that you have the ability to define and create yourself, and you're trying to do that, and you were never made to do anything remotely close to that. Um, Edmund Burke, he's a, a politician. He's known, I'll go back so you don't read the quote. He's known most famously for a quote. He said, the only thing that needs to happen for evil to go on is for good men to do nothing. You guys have heard that one, right? Like that one's been kind of you know, prominent in the last few years. But this is one that I think is very powerful. He says, men and women are qualified for civil liberty, freedom, autonomy, in exact proportion to their disposition to put moral chains upon their own appetites. Society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon will and appetite be placed somewhere, and the less of it that there is within, the more there must be without. It is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that people of intemperate minds cannot be free because your passions forge your fetters. The things that you love enslave you. Something is going to control you. You can't do it, and I want you to be free. And so real freedom, I think, is the ability to do what is right. That's what real freedom is, to do what is right. And I want you to have that kind of freedom. Because you all know that you limit your freedoms to experience greater joys. All of you get this because you got debt, right? (laughs) Like, I I just can't. I'm going to get you to raise your hand. But I would assume most of you took on debt to go to school because what you believe is taking on a little bit of debt now, limiting myself now is going to produce greater freedom in the future. Uh, You choose a major or a sport or a sorority or something, like you had to limit, you had to just pick one. You know, some of you are maybe double majors, but there are a few people who are like quadruple majors because you limit yourself to certain things because you believe that in the long run, that's going to be the best decision for you. Uh, You came here and you limited your freedom, right? Like you maybe wanted to stay home, and watch more of whatever, or be around your friends or your family or something, but you came here, and there was a cost to that, and I hope it's it 's paying off for you. you. You get married or you want to get married, like you limit your autonomy to promote intimacy with your spouse, and then you start a family, like the place where I have felt the the greatest sense of giving myself away is when we started having children, and so You know, this is not where you are, but I'm just holding it out there that there are all kinds of things in your life where you limit your freedom to do something that's going to be better. And I just want you to do that more because freedom to do what is right is there. So like I said, the end of Judges, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. But then in the book of Kings, it talks about David Doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded all the days of his life except the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And then it says Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and Jehoshaphat and Joash and Amaziah and Azariah and Jotham and all the good kings. If you ever read the book of Kings in the Bible, there's these good kings and bad kings, good kings and bad kings. And the thing to note about all the good kings is guess what they do. They do what is right, not in their own eyes. They do what is right in the eyes of the Lord because there's real freedom there. So here's the last thing. If, if there's, there's something in our water, and I think it's this idea of autonomy, and it's there because Satan has planted it there, and we're trying to, to find this, right? We want living water. And so if you look back at that Jeremiah passage, he says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have dug cisterns, broken cisterns. And Jesus comes and says, I can offer you living water. He comes to this woman in John. I thought John, uh, or Pastor D was gonna go there. He said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again because the water that I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So I think the, the, the answer how do you break this tyranny of freedom? How do you get out of this water? What, what, what helps the water that ran? You need living water. And I think Jesus is that water. And this is why I think that. Um, Pastor D, he shared this last night. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Like, does that not sound like true freedom, abundant life? if if i gave you the promise that you could have abundant life when you want that because the thief he's talking about satan like satan wants to take away life and what does satan tell you be like god define right and wrong yourself you do you you're in charge follow your heart look inside yourself but jesus is coming to say something else and this is where he says it in philippians chapter 2 it's a big passage but it's a beautiful passage It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I'll stop there for right now. Jesus was God. Jesus was with God. For all eternity, he created the world. He had complete autonomy, complete freedom, the ability to do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, however he wanted. And what did he do? He became a person. I don't know how many of you have watched the series, The Chosen. Uh, they had this Christmas special, and it was just about Mary and Joseph. And it it just kind of showed. I mean, it, it's it's realistic. It's it's I would just hold it out if you don't. If you're not binging some other show right now, you can watch it for free. And in this episode, it's very realistic. And just to watch it and see her in this stable, like he's shoveling up the manure from the animals to clear off a spot, and and she's going through the pains of of labor in this stable, and then has the baby, and they set and like she's holding the baby, and the way that they do it, like I just started getting so choked up because I couldn't believe like. This was God. Like, Jesus did this. Like, he had all the freedom and authority in the world, and he's a baby. And she sang to him, and she nursed him. This is the God of the universe. Like, this just does not make sense. I just couldn't believe it, and I just kept thinking, that's the answer. Like, the one who had all the freedom... He gave up all the freedom for you. Why did he do it? I mean, this is what you keep reading. And being found in human, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So it's just this incredible flip that Satan comes to us and says, God's not good. He's holding out on you. You need to take from the tree. You need to do what you want to do. That's the pathway to life and live freely. But God says, no, let me constrain myself. Let me come and be like you. Let me be limited in every way, shape, and form. We just can't comprehend what it's like for God to become a human. And then, as if that's not enough, I'm going to get killed. And I'm going to be killed so that, remember the verse in John right before this one? So that you would have abundant life. I'm not trying to ask you to limit your freedom and to to try to put to death this lie that you need to follow your heart and do what you want because I just think that would be a good idea. I think that a God who would do this for you, a God who would go to these extremes to limit himself. You know, people used to wear these WWJD bracelets, you know, like Reed Jillick, who's like the backstage manager with a nice headset. He feels powerful. I think from when I met Reed for the next 15 years, he had this ratty WWJD bracelet that he would wear. And if you want to know, okay, what would Jesus do in this cultural moment? He's going to limit himself. He's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to die for a people so that they would have abundant life. And so I'm asking you to consider blocking out the lies that our culture is telling us. And believe a God who would do this for you in the hope of abundant life, because I don't think anything that you that your heart chases after is going to fulfill you. It's not going to be living water. It's going to be a broken cistern. But I think He's offering this. Um, so here's a few water purifiers. Um, first, doubt yourself. Like, doubt yourself. Trust. Trust God. When you you know when you look at the Bible there are going to be things that you read in the Bible and they do not make sense to you. And they also upset you and they might even offend you. And your heart is not going to want that. And I would just encourage you that God is wiser than you and he knows more than you and he knows more than me. And he has someone, I was in the, I have questions seminar yesterday and there were some people who were asking about the Bible and why do we get the Bible? And I would just say if God is sovereign and has created this world and is control, has control over, over what's happening, I think that God can protect this book. And th- there have been misuses, but it gets, it gets corrected, and it is with us. And if you look back in just the original languages, like the, there are new scrolls found all the time, and we never hear about it because you know what they say? The exact same things that the old one said because they're the same ones. Um, trust this. That thing in you that reads the Bible and is like, I don't like that. Like, I'm not going to read this anymore. Be careful. The heart wants what it wants. Like, that is that lie. Like, God doesn't want your best. You know better. Put it away. Don't trust that. Don't read that. Follow your heart. You know best. Doubt yourself. Doubt yourself when you come to the Bible. Even when it rubs against you, keep reading, keep asking questions because where it starts to offend you and conflict with you, I want to hold out that maybe it's getting at something in your life that maybe needs to change because the heart is deceitful. You don't know what you want. Um, So trust God. Second, beware of isolation. You know, Pastor D talked about this last night of having people in your life and how in the pandemic it's been really easy to be isolated. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Have people in your life. Talk about things that are going on. Don't don't just make every decision on your own, and don't just go to your yes men or your yes women, like the people who are always going to say, like, if if you go to someone because they're going to tell you, yes, follow your heart, like, maybe you need to talk to them about that. Maybe you need to think about that. Uh, But have people around you, because God did not create us to be individuals. You know the first thing that God said was not good in Genesis? It was not good for man to be what? alone. It's not good to be alone, because we don't know what's best, and we need other people in our lives speaking in. Um, and lastly, understand and embrace the beauty of restraint. Uh, in a society that's all about follow your heart and do what you want, the idea that, of self-denial, uh, you know, the Bible says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And I don't think Jesus is advocating that you do that. What he's saying is that you deny yourself. For some people, maybe you don't need a cell phone. Maybe you don't need to be on social media. Maybe you need a flip phone. Maybe you need to delete uh, Instagram or you need to delete TikTok or something like that. I I don't know. I, I hate to just pick on those things. But those things often are saying, follow your heart. You do you. Trust yourself. Find some place. I mean, As you're here, I hope that you've heard things from God's word that you have loved and appreciated. And I honestly hope that you've heard some things that you've stepped back and questioned and don't know that you agree with that. Because you need to be rubbed against, because there's that thing in you that wants to be God. Can you deny that thing? Can you fight that thing? And I think the only way you can do that is through Jesus. Um, C.S. Lewis, last thing. C.S. Lewis said, the main work of life is to come out of ourselves, out of the little dark prison that we were born in. And if, if the main work of life is to come out of yourself and to be focused on others and to be life and encouragement and strength to others, I think the only way to do that is through the living water that is Jesus, through the one who lost all of his freedom, lost all of his autonomy, died for you, to help you, to empower you, to invite you. To trust him and question yourself and come out of yourself and experience life so let me pray and then i'll introduce daniel god thank you for these students thank you uh, for your word thank you god that uh, we can hear these messages around us in our culture and wonder where it comes from and we can look at the bible and bam there it is right at the beginning for all of history This has been the the lie. This has been the water. This has been the deceit that we need to follow our hearts and, and that we need to usurp your throne and your authority, that we need to define ourselves and invent ourselves and make ourselves and do whatever we want. And the end of that is sadness and isolation and loneliness and hurt and despair. But Jesus came to offer more. Thank you that he is living water. Thank you that he did not come to steal or kill or destroy, but to give life and life abundantly. Uh, God, my words have no power. Would your words have power in the lives of these men and women? Would you engage them? Would you invite them into a dialogue with you and your word? Would they find things that they love and find things that they don't love? And would they wrestle with that and not just throw that out, but question Question the nagging thing inside of them that says, trust yourself. Only yourself can be trusted. Put that to death in us, God. Do that through Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conycindy.com.